Hey guys, it's Keith. I'm going to take an online test called Moral Foundations on idrlabs.com. That's Individual Differences Research. And I think this will be an interesting test to take for a myriad of reasons. I'll read to you their intro as they describe it. Social scientists such as Ravi Iyer and Jonathan Haidt argue that there are substantial variations in human morality and that these differences influence not just a person's decision-making and reasoning processes, but also their political outlook. In recent years, researchers and scholars from all over the world have converged on the framework on moral foundations theory in an attempt to explain these individual differences, as well as to make sense of the many instances of moral outrage and offense that are increasingly seen in public debate. By drawing on findings from their research, this test aims to give you your scores according to the Moral Foundations framework. So I'm a big fan of this field of study. I myself m largely do this podcast to examine this kind of moral outrage in public debate. I think it's way out of control, it's too much, and uh, I want to just kind of talk through my take on a lot of these kind of moral principles and see how I line up. And I'm not going to jump to the end, but I will tell you that this basically outlines people's moral principles on six axes. And those axes are care, fairness, loyalty, authority, purity, and liberty. So keep that in mind. Um, all these questions, there's 36 of them, will address one of those moral principles, maybe multiple. And this might be a long podcast episode. I might break it up. Let's see. Question one of 36. The principal of a school says that none of her students are allowed to draw Muhammad on the school premises or to bring Muhammad cartoons to school. All right, starting with a spicy one right off the bat. I am not ashamed or reticent to call this out as morally outrageous for me in the opposite direction. This principle of a school is acting within her morals, uh, which seem to be like authoritarian, totalitarian even, um, maybe Puritan. Uh, you know, Islam is going through a, a fight right now, largely with Europe, um, about blasphemy, essentially. And Europe has largely capitulated until very recently in France. Uh, it's out of control. And I'm outraged that such uh, rules can be enforced to the point of beheadings and murders for breaking such a rule. Like, your God is not sacred to me. You know what I mean? Like, I get to draw whatever I want. And I really uphold that right of expression. I don't respect religious dogma infringing on my human rights. I put human rights way above religious rights, way above them. Because religions are so often very conservative, very traditional, very... Uh, you know, limiting of human expression and behavior. And I don't like that at all. It's like really contrary to my moral principles. So this is not okay. And it's not just a little not okay. It's like full on the least okay. 
uh, I have the option of ticking one, two, or three in either direction. So I'm ticking three toward not okay. This is just totally out of line. I hate this. I don't stand for this. This is one of my pet peeves, frankly, this kind of religious intolerance in the world. I want it gone, quite frankly. I want a secular society. That's my moral foundation toward liberty. And I think it's fair. Like we, we can mock all other religions and gods as we should be allowed to do. So that's how I feel about that. Question two. When Kelly asks Stephen out on a date, he sneers and says, like I'm gonna date a woman who looks like my overweight bulldog. <laughs> Jesus, Stephen, that's uncalled for. Um, it's rude, frankly, it's mean, it's offensive. Um, sure, he has the right to say it. I don't think it's a crime for him to say that. I don't think it's tantamount to violence for him to say that. But it's not okay to say that. It bothers me that he says that. I would not say that. It's inappropriate. And it just, I guess it goes my against my sense of decorum, but also just like a sense of harm toward others. Why create undue harm? It's just not nice, you know? So it's not okay. Um, it's not as bad as the previous question, but it's not cool. Like there are other ways to address this kind of situation when you're just not feeling an attraction. And this is just like, it's aggressively, uh, it's aggressively confrontational and hurtful. And I don't like that. So like if I saw my child doing this or my friend, I would like point it out. I would, I would want to stop it. I would feel bad for Kelly in this case. So I'm going to say that it's not okay. I'm going to go two ticks, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I believe in etiquette and decorum and politeness enough to be offended by this. And I say that like knowing that I'm not the most polite person. I, I think a lot of etiquette is overkill and unnecessary, but this is just hurtful. Question three, Tom and Linda have been dating for almost a year. Since they've never agreed to be exclusive, Tom sleeps with other women without telling Linda. <laughs> okay. This one hits a little close to home, guys, if I'm honest. Um, I, can, I can relate to Tom. So we got to pick this one apart. This is tricky because we live in evolving times. I think it's always been the case that heterosexual relationships are assumed to be monogamous, contrasted to a lot of homosexual relationships, which are assumed to be open until that conversation is had. With straight people, there's this kind of fundamental understanding that you're dating and that you date exclusively. But that's changing, you know? It's like, that's changing as we speak. So I don't know what to do about that. Like, I kind of support that change. I, I believe in free love, essentially. So to me, it makes sense what Tom is doing, but it depends. Is this long distance? Because that helps Tom's case. Um, or are they hanging out all the time? And it's just a technicality that they haven't discussed it, you know? Like, a lot of these kind of exclusive relationships are implied, and you'd have to be daft to not pick up on that. So the question is, like, how much deceit is involved here? And I need to know that because deception and hurting somebody are what I worry about. Um, the polyamory is not really a concern of mine. 
So I don't know how to judge this. You know, are we talking about open relationships? Are we talking about um, lifestyle changes in which we are presumed to be dating multiple people in this era of dating apps and hookup culture? Or are we still kind of like holding ourselves to the um, to the kind of like traditionalist courtship culture, which is what that exclusivity is coming from? To me, I'm going to stay neutral here. Like, I kind of think it's okay. I've done it. I've also hurt women doing this, and I've learned to do it better. I've learned to make it more explicit or clear what where I'm coming from and what my interests are. Um, it can be not okay. It can be hurtful, and I would, I would judge my former self for being hurtful, um, for not kind of obeying the rules. But those rules are unclear in our society. That's my, my that's my issue here with this question. The rules are unclear. Um, couples need to decide these rules for themselves, and that's also very tricky for people. People don't really like that kind of confrontation. So this is what's weird about our society right now. Like, what do you guys think? Um, basically, I kind of believe that we have to treat each other with respect, and we have to, for instance, be concerned with other people's sexual health and safety. And polygamy and polyamory and hookup culture are a little dangerous, especially for women. Um, you know, for a myriad of reasons, from reproduction to um, physical harm. So these are these are factors, but I'm going to stay neutral because I don't have enough info and I kind of do go in both directions here. So I guess that's kind of a cop out, but I think I've made myself clear. Four, Emma and Cindy are summer interns at Chris's office. Emma does slightly better than Cindy. At the end of the summer, there's only one job opening, but Chris gives it to Cindy because he finds her more attractive. All right. Getting dicey here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little controversial on this. Uh, again, I relate to the man here. I've never been in this exact position. I have checked my bias toward attractive people plenty of times. That does need to be checked. Attractive privilege is real. Attractive people far uh, fare way better in our society for obvious reasons. Like who doesn't want to be around attractiveness? And it makes a lot of sense that someone like Chris would favor Cindy based on that attractiveness. It's like attraction. It's the word. Like he's a, like magnetism. Like, of course, he's going to try and keep her around him. It's like human nature. But society is kind of all about correcting the darker aspects of human nature to prioritize things like fairness and merit and these things. Now, the wording of this question is really important to me. Emma does slightly better than Cindy. If Emma was doing significantly better than Cindy, if Cindy was inept but still got the job, I would have a problem with that. This slightly better than leaves room for a margin of error. Obviously, she doesn't outperform to overcome the attraction bias. Um, so this is like a tough call. I would really need to know more. I'd have to watch this movie or read this book um, to know the, or know these people to really have a, a true judgment, uh, I go in different directions. Like it's too bad for Emma, obviously, that she's less attractive, and even when she performs better, she loses out. Like that sucks, and I I might be outraged too. Um, 
you know, it's kind of corrupt of Chris to ignore the performance evaluation stuff. Um, if he just has a crush on Cindy, like that's not cool. And maybe that should be reprimanded or like maybe he should be fired or canceled. But it depends. Like attraction is real. What is this job? Does attractiveness play into it? Are they saleswomen? Um, did Emma just have one sale more, but Cindy has like a brighter future? You know, I don't know. I don't know the details. And those things do matter. I just will say that it's not my interest to rule out all biases that people have. I think that we have to accept some of these biases. People like to in-group. People like to be around people that they're, they're similar to or share things with or whatever. And that's okay. Like a lot of success is built on that kind of camaraderie or that kind of dynamic, even like that kind of sexual tension. And I don't want to live in a world of robots where like Emma scored one point more, therefore she gets it. Like that's silly too. Right. And I think that a lot of our culture understands that, especially now when we prioritize stuff like diversity or representation over merit also, like, why not also prioritize attractiveness over merit a little bit? Now, I don't know how much I believe that, but I just understand that that is the way of the world to some extent. We're not going to fully weed that out, and I'm not that bothered in the end. Of course, there are more attractive people than me. Maybe they get positions, you know, um, over me, and that's just the way it is. Um, life's not fair. I do want it to be more fair, for sure. But I'm not as outraged, morally speaking, about this kind of inequality. I kind of accept it. But it's it's not great, is it? So I guess I will say it's not okay a little bit. Next question. A new action figure becomes all the rage among the boys in Timmy's class. When Timmy's parents get to the store, they buy all of the action figures for Timmy, leaving none for the other children. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, that's like cartoonishly evil, you know, like that's such a, I mean, who does that? Um, it's pathetic. Like that is so over the top, unnecessary. Um, I judge that. It's not okay. Uh, I wonder what the deal is with these parents, like this competitive edge to make sure that their kid is the only one that gets to have fun and like they want to screw over the kids in the class on top of Timmy having it? Like, why? Like, I don't even, I can't even comprehend that. Um, it's kind of like double parking, you know, like when a car takes up multiple parking spots. Um, it's kind of like, I guess like man spreading. I really hated that whole thing, that meme. But, you know, it's like taking up space that others could enjoy because you just are greedy, essentially. Um, that's not cool. Um, it's not okay. I don't know how unokay it is. Like, people are allowed to buy what they want. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I judge it. It would never even occur to me to do it. I guess I, as a consumer, like, sometimes I, you know, on Amazon, I'll buy multiple products and then return a lot of them. I don't know how much that present, prevents other people from buying things. Um, I do like to make sure that I have my options covered, selfishly speaking. Uh, but... I'm not really confronting this level of scarcity in the world very often. Like it's very rare that things that I want are so scarce. Um, I guess like, you know, event tickets are scarce or like, 
you know, I don't know, but like, it's very hard for me to comprehend this. It's not okay. Um, I guess I'm going to go two notches. Not okay. Cause it's just so, it's just like definitely a behavior that I would want to weed out of children if I was influencing them. Okay. Scott is hosting a dinner party for dessert. He serves chocolate cake shaped to look like dog poop. <laughs> okay. IDR labs. Very funny. Um, okay. So this is a prank. There's some punk rock spirit here. There's some like performance art spirit here. I can appreciate that stuff. Uh, on the other side, I can also appreciate that there is a decorum to a dinner party. There is like a set of rules that we buy into when we have dinner parties and uh, those should be acknowledged, you know, like you don't bring all your other friends to a party you're invited to for like a certain number of seats at a table. Um, you're supposed to bring a bottle of wine with you when you show up, you know what I mean? Like there are these rules that I also find kind of like strange and I'm a bit, uh, you know, uh, aspy about this stuff. Like I don't get these rules and I often fail or forget these rules but they're real. So it matters what kind of dinner party this is. Like, is this for people in another generation uh, older than Scott? Is it like his in-laws, for instance? Is it like a business thing, networking? Or is it like his buddies from high school? Like, those things matter. You know what I mean? Like, you have to know your audience to do something like this. Um, it is provocative. It's controversial to serve a cake like this. If I was sitting down and a cake like this was served... I would balk at that. I would, I would, you know, my appetite would be, uh, would diminish. I wouldn't want to see this. That said, I would also laugh, you know, I would like admire the daring aspects probably, but it really depends. Like I would also feel the social pressure of like, if my boss was sitting there, I'd maybe want to be on his side. If he was outraged, I would also be like, Oh my gosh, Scott, what are you doing? So it's hard to say. Um, I don't have a moral judgment against it necessarily. Um, I don't really defer to the like the traditionalist attitude of dinner parties too strongly. Like I am the kind of person that breaks the rule of not talking about religion or politics. Like I talk about those things. I break dinner party etiquette pretty often in life, to be honest. Um, so I think I'm going to stay neutral here. I can see it going both ways. Um, I do respect traditionalists here. I wouldn't do this. Um, but I also don't think it's that big of a deal. It's like a daring move. I could see a, a moment of, um, embracing this kind of move. Okay. Number seven, Jane's boss calls all of his employees by their first names, but does not allow any of them to call him by his first name. When Jane insists that it must be a two way street, he fires her. Okay. Well, this is like a corporate world that I don't know. I don't understand this world. Um, but hierarchies do exist. Like, let's face that, first of all. Like, that's a real thing. Now, we can adjust those hierarchies. We can play with them. I used to be a teacher. I would let students call me by my first name. In fact, I insisted on it. Even though there is an obvious dynamic where I am the authority teaching a subject to, you know, children and adolescents of all ages. Like I've taught, you know, six to 22. So no matter what that age, I kind of want the reciprocity that Jane is advocating. 
but I think it's a little uncalled for for her to insist to her boss that it's a two-way street. It's not necessarily a two-way street. That's not how the employer-employee relationship works. So the boss here is calling her out and firing her because he has the power over her. Like, quite, quite frankly, she is stupid for doing this, for getting herself fired and dying on this hill. Like, that is stupid. I kind of judge Jane for being naive here, even though I do actually agree with her that things should feel a little more even. But I don't understand. I don't know the company. Like, what what is the structure here? I would have to know more here. Like, what is this business? Um, maybe the authority is really important to maintain, whether that be at a law firm with partners or like an architecture firm with like a head designer or whatever it is, like there is a justification for maintaining that hierarchy. Um, I relate to Jane and her rebelliousness, but I also would not do what she did. So what is this even asking? Is it immoral of him to fire her? Uh, <sighs> immoral i don't know i don't know i think i'm gonna stay neutral here um i kind of just i i'm not on his side like i wouldn't do that i wouldn't fire somebody for that and if jane came to me and was like keith listen to this story isn't this fucked up i think i would agree but i'd also be like jane what were you thinking you know what i mean um and i don't really know what it's asking me to judge exactly so i'm just gonna stay neutral Number eight, Adam and Beth have been dating for three years. Adam is reluctant to have children. So Beth tells him she's on the pill when she isn't. Yeah, okay. Um, I have a few things to say about this. It's not okay to deceive your partner. But Adam deserves some blame for putting the burden of uh, birth control solely on Beth. Adam can wear a condom. Adam can pull out. Um, Beth should be more honest and direct with Adam and say, look, I'm not taking the pill. Do with that information as you will. But we've been dating for three years and I might want to be a mom. So, And furthermore, Adam is reluctant to have children. He's not fundamentally against it. He's just reluctant. And guys grow up slower than women like guys might need a little cajoling to get there that's a big step like i relate to adam like i've always been reluctant to have children for sure so i get it but i think women can like i think it's okay for women in partnerships to advocate for the next step and to start families sometimes somebody has to do that i don't think this is the way to do it but I kind of sympathize with her, but it's not okay. You know what I mean? So I do morally judge her. Um, I feel bad for her that she doesn't feel comfortable to just tell Adam what she's feeling and maybe helping him get to terms with maybe being a father, you know, like he, maybe it's time for him to step up and like, he needs to see that. And maybe accidentally getting his girlfriend pregnant is the way to see that, you know, I mean, that happens all the time. That is how men face it so it's not the biggest deal in the world but it's also very deceptive and i wouldn't want to be adam accidentally impregnating beth so it's not okay but it's not the worst thing in the world either 
Sarah's dog has four puppies. She can only find a home for two of them. So she kills the other two with a stone to the head. Wow, that got graphic, didn't it? Um, <laughs> I can tell you this much. I do not know any Sarahs. <laughs> I think that every female I know that might be listening to this um, would have a very hard time imagining doing this herself. I frankly would too. Um, it's pretty brutal. It's not okay to stone animals to death like that. Um, that said, I have read Beloved by Toni Morrison, which does make the moral case for killing your own child because, you know, the mom in that story is raised in slavery and doesn't want, you know, that that's, that specter of slavery haunts her so badly that she doesn't she like basically has a nightmare of her child being raised as a slave and wants to prevent that life. And that's kind of what Sarah is doing here. Like what kind of life is there for these puppies? If there's no home, like, are they going to be, you know, rabid street dogs barking and terrorizing the neighborhood? Like that's bad, right? Are they going to go and like overpopulate the dog population in this town because they're not neutered or spayed? Like that's a real thing. So I can get where she's coming from. Like, there is, like, euthanasia for a reason. You know, we put pets down. We put animals down for a reason. But there's probably a better way, Sarah. Take them to the pound. Maybe let them try and get adopted. And then maybe it is a kill shelter, and they do have to get put down eventually. But, like, stone to the head? That seems, like, psychopathic, you know? Like, it's almost like she's waiting to do that. It's not okay. It seems very it's shady as hell, you know, it's like disturbing that she did that. Um, so it's, it's two ticks, not okay. I'm not going to go three ticks cause I do kind of get it. Like I'm looking the other way. I don't want to know about this. If I found out I wouldn't put her in jail. A lot of you probably would. I mean, it seems like a pretty heinous crime on one hand, but I, I can appreciate that she might have the greater good in mind. And it's in the end, like, I don't value life as the be-all and end-all sacred virtue or whatever. Like, yes, I love dogs. Like, if this was about chickens, it would be a lot easier to stomach, right? If it was about people, it would be even harder. But this is kind of like an abortion. It's like a very late-term abortion that she's performing. Um, so, yeah, uh, I can appreciate that. But it does disturb me. 10. Dan trims up the TV just as his father is talking about his military service. All right. Well, this is like just like a rude kid. Um, I'm assuming he's a teenager or younger, but maybe not. Maybe he's in his 20s or 30s. Um, how is his father talking about it? Does his father go on about this all the time? Is this like an Abe Simpson situation of like droning on about the good old days, the glory days? Um, how spoiled and bratty is Dan here. I don't know. It is a bratty behavior, but maybe it's justified. Maybe he's tired of hearing about it. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to finger wag and say something like, oh, kids these days don't respect their elders. I mean, elders still do have to earn respect and maybe droning on about your military service isn't the best way to do it. If this question was saying he turns up the TV just as his father is like, outpouring his emotions or confessing to some secret whatever like that would be a different story 
His military service, yeah, you know, like, I don't have a lot of reverence for that necessarily. Would I turn up the TV as somebody was telling me? No, I think it's rude. And I judge rudeness. But I don't know if that's immoral. Um, I think I'm going to tick one notch not okay. Because, like, I would judge Dan if I was watching this. Like, it's not cool. It's just... It's behavior to... on. It's a behavior to, to correct. Like... You don't have to, like, fully respect your elders and listen to everything they say and respect and honor military, whatever. Like, you don't have to do that. But, like, be nice. Show grace. Question 11. Jack and Will are classmates. Will's father is a lawyer. When he picks up Will from school, he refuses to say hi to Jack's father because he is only a janitor. All right, this is classism. This is also, like, more, like rude behavior i judge this even more this is like really not cool um i can't tell if this is will or will's father that is being the dickhead here but like who are you to just like assume superiority in this moment i think we all kind of appreciate when stand-up people share their courtesy to everyone despite their lot in life you know what i mean like treat everyone with dignity um that's just a good rule of thumb so yeah this strikes me as not okay at all next tim asks his father for permission to stay out late because his classmates are throwing a party when his father refuses tim slams the door in his father's face okay another disrespect of authority and family um, this is for sure a bratty move. He's being a spoiled brat. Um, I'm kind of on the father's side here. It sounds like he re refused for good reason. Tim is clearly not mature enough to handle staying out very late if this is how he's going to behave. Like, there are ways to earn your father's respect, and that's not how. Um, fathers and parents generally have a responsibility to look after their children's well-being. And sometimes that means a curfew and demanding things like coming home at a certain time, even if your friends aren't. And I've been a kid, obviously. I was very rebellious as a kid. Um, but I did earn the trust of my parents. I didn't break curfew. Um, I pushed curfew. I would have a conversation like, why not 11 instead of 10? Why not midnight instead of 11? Like that, you know, like there's a way to do it. And slamming the door in their face is not how to do it. It's not okay. Um, I get it. I get the frustration. It does seem unfair when all the other kids get to stay out late at a party. But I would, you know, I would sooner pout about it. I would sooner make a rhetorical argument about it. Like, slamming the door is just juvenile. 13. A man sets up an unlicensed medical practice, but makes all of his customers sign a contract acknowledging that he is not a licensed physician. Okay, um, this is nuanced. Um, it's not that bad, you know? He's not deceiving them. He's being upfront. He's confirming that they acknowledge his status. I don't understand the licensing of medical licenses <laughs> enough. Like, I don't know how significant that is. If it's surgery, 
yeah, that seems pretty bad, but like buyer beware, you know, like there's probably a market for underground medical practice for sure. Depending on how you define medicine, like there are chiropractors, there are yoga teachers that are unlicensed. You still probably get a good amount of value. Uh, it's probably more affordable. Um, I don't really have a problem with this. Uh, I also don't want to encourage it. I mean, we probably have medical licenses for a reason, but you can get, you know, unlicensed or disbarred for like a myriad of silly reasons too. So I don't know. Um, I'm going to say it's okay because he's being very upfront about it. So it's fine. Like I'm going to even go double. Okay. When Lily tells her classmate Sue that it's her dream to be prom queen, Sue laughs out loud and says, you're too ugly for that. All right, this is another one of those rude, uh, overly hurtful comments, again, about attractiveness. It's a big theme in this test. Um, it's uncalled for. It's juvenile. It's immature. She should grow up to not say that. Um, we all have these thoughts here and there. Um, we do judge each other. But I think part of a functional society is to to keep certain things, uh, if not to yourself, at least not directly hurting someone else to keep the vibe chill and copacetic. Like society is better when we have a sense of decency to one another. And this is just very rude. Um, I don't like this classmate, Sue. Like it's just, um, it's a bad look. And I feel bad for Lily. It might be true. Maybe, maybe Lily needs to hear it. I don't know, but I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, at what point do we allow people to live in their delusions? I also kind of am with Sue that, like, you're being delusional. Get over it. Like, I can appreciate that. But it should be done tactfully. I am not necessarily the one to say that. Like, I'm not always tactful. I put my foot in my mouth pretty regularly compared to many people. But try to be nice, you know? Question 15. Using both a condom and the pill, a brother and a sister decide that they want to sleep with each other just once to see what it would be like. Okay, this is a pretty fun question. Incest is a pretty big topic. It's like huge in pornography right now. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I don't have a sister. I can't really fully appreciate this, but I like the intellectual curiosity and the daringness of it. I like the playing with convention of it. Um, let's break it down. I am not squeamish about this stuff. I'm not immediately like, ew, gross, this is awful. Like, I don't feel that way. I'm not that Puritan here. Um, they're being cautious about the main issue. The reason incest like this is forbidden and a taboo is because it does create birth defects in family lineages. So that's why this question is emphasizing the condom and pill. Like they are being responsible about it. Um, they sound interesting as people. It's not like, hey, we like each other. Let's fuck. Like, let's have fun. Like it's being a little more interesting about it. Kind of like in Cruel Intentions, you know, um, which is a pretty sexy movie. Uh, another one is The Dreamers by Bernardo Bertolucci. And there is some sexual 
um, escapades between a brother and sister, not full on intercourse, but it's like, these things are interesting. I have respect for that. I have reverence for, uh, the ways in which sexuality expresses itself in human behavior in the animal kingdom, as it were. Uh, I'm fascinated by it. I think this is kind of cool sounding, but yeah, it's also disturbing. Like, I don't want to encourage incest. I think it's wrong to date or marry your family. Um, but I'm intrigued, you know, like I kind of think it's like intriguing. Um, I don't think they're going to hell. I don't want to moralize and tell them how wrong they are. So I think it's okay. It's not the most okay thing, but it's okay with me. Question 16. Julie asks her friends not to fraternize with her ex-boyfriend, Jake, since he cheated on her with other women. Three weeks later, Julie's friend, Melissa, is dating him. Yep, that happens for sure. Um, this is so common. Like, this is like a plot line in every single teenage melodrama from Gossip Girl to Beverly Hills 90210 to Pretty Little Liars or whatever. Like, this happens, period. Julie, it makes sense. Like, Julie, of course, is hurt. She's a spurned lover. Jake hurt her. Jake is not a cool-sounding guy. Um, he's obviously being immoral to some degree. Um it makes sense that Julie asks for the loyalty of her friends, but that doesn't mean that her friends owe it to her. I mean, it sounds like Melissa clearly values Jake's romance over her friendship with Julie. And fair enough, you know, like all's fair in love and war, kind of. I mean, yeah, it would be honorable for Melissa to stand by Julie and, you know, turn down Jake's advances, but Melissa is horny and is attracted to Jake. Like, whatever. That's life, you know? I think it's okay. Um, it's okay of everybody. I mean, I judge Jake the most. Like, he's obviously being quite reckless with his dating style. But that's what happens when you're young, especially. Like, you figure out figure out those things. Uh, I don't really judge Melissa here. I, I was in this position. I've done... I, I wasn't cheating on my girlfriend in high school, but... Um, I know a Julie and a Melissa here, and they got over it. They were friends again eventually. Um, yeah, it's okay. Is it the most okay thing? Um, it's fine. I think it's fine. I actually think it's sad. I think it's sad when... I know actually more moments when a Melissa says, like, you know what, I like Jake, but it would just wouldn't be nice to Julie, so I'm going to turn Jake down and... You know, I think that's sad. Like, I value romance and love a lot. And I think friendships should understand those things. And so I always feel bad about misconnections and unrequited experiences. So I actually, I think this is totally okay of Melissa, if that's what it's asking. Question 17. Bob and Pam are siblings. Bob is given $10 by their father and is told to distribute it between them as he likes. Bob gives one dollar to Pam and pockets the nine himself. How old are these kids? What is the intention of the father? These things matter. Um, you know, I judge the father the most here. If you want things to be fair and equitable, hand Pam the five dollars yourself. If you're trying to teach Bob a lesson in like management, maybe you're 
testing him like well you have your answer bob is clearly still living out this kind of selfish behavior that kids often have um if bob is 18 and pam is 16 this is wrong bob should know better by then um that's just fucked up but if bob is 12 and pam is six this is totally fine like pam is probably excited for that one dollar and Bob needs the money more because he's now of age to go to the movies with his friends or something. You know what I mean? So it totally depends. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I guess I want to stay neutral here. It's, it's not okay to be so selfish. It does disturb my sense of uh, equality. But it really depends because equality is a tricky topic. And I don't know if the, this test will ever get to the true nuances of this moral foundation. But not everyone needs the same thing. We just don't all need the same thing. Some of us only need $4 or $3. Some of us need $9 to feel whole. And I think our society forgets that. We just think that everyone should have $5 at the end. Well, that's communism. And it's just not true. Like... $5 is more than some people need, like very simple salt of the earth people have less expensive tastes. Other people, myself included, have annoyingly expensive or refined tastes. And we might need more. We might need more attention. We might need more coddling or support. And that's just how it is. Like things are not, people are not the same. People's needs are not the same. And I don't know how much of that this father understands you know maybe the father presumes bob needs money i want him to share as well i don't know how much pam needs and i don't know how much bob needs so i'm gonna let bob figure it out i can imagine being that father and maybe that's fine and maybe this outcome is fine you know it's tricky these are these are yeah they're moral situations but it's like it's not the biggest deal. Like, this is where I would say, like, we moralize too much. Like, things happen in life, and it's not the biggest deal. I'm going to say it's okay. Um, no, I'm going to say neutral. It's not It's not okay, too, you know? I've made the case for both directions, so I guess I'm just going to stay neutral. Okay. A Christian bakery refuses to custom decorate a cake with chocolate letters that would carry a pro-gay message. Yeah, this was real. This was a case like five years ago or something like that. Um, this is a very interesting question. Christian does not matter. Pro-gay does not matter. I see this as a question of like business rights, small business rights especially. Um, and I see it also as consumer rights. Yes, gay consumers have the right to get a cake made for them. And if every bakery in town refuses service, that's a problem. And that's when the state would have to intervene and maybe create a state-sponsored bakery that doesn't censor. But that case, guys, if you can remember it, was like actually a very fabricated situation in which two gay activists went out of their way to find a Christian bakery who would say no. And they were being intentionally provocative. They were trying to call out Christians. There were plenty of bakeries that would have helped them anyway, but they wanted to make this point. That sounds really annoying to me, frankly. Now, just imagine this the other direction. An atheist bakery 
refuses to decorate a cake with letters that would carry a an anti-gay message or a pro-religious message. What do you think then? It's the same thing, you know? I mean, we should believe in inclusivity. We should ensure in a society that everyone gets taken care of. But we also want to maintain the rights of business owners. So where does the government's extent belong? That's the question. I would say that businesses do have the right to refuse service, but they're not allowed to discriminate. And in this case, they're not discriminating against the patrons for being gay. They're discriminating based on the messages they're meant, they're asked to write. Um, I think it's fair enough if like you go into a business and they say, yeah, we're not going to write that. Like you can't literally do anything, right? I mean, there are limits, um, but you can probably find someone to do it as you like. So yeah, it's fine. Like I'm not as offended as fellow leftists and activists are like, guys, you also want to cancel and refuse. Like it's so ironic to me because the same people that were outraged by this case now support Twitter banning people for statements on Twitter. Like, what are you talking about? That is so hypocritical. You insisted a Christian bakery does exactly what you want because everyone has the right for a cake, but you don't believe in free speech and you want Twitter to de-platform people based on saying something that could read transphobic or something. Like, that is so hypocritical. To me, let people uh, explore the access that they require. Uh, Twitter is a monopoly, so I would protect that even more for people in the like in the direction of consumer rights versus business rights. Here, there are a lot of bakeries. You know, like don't go to a Christian one. Go to a non-Christian bakery if you want a pro-gay message. You know, it seems so obvious. So it's like this is almost a problem without a. There's it's rather like a, yeah, it's a problem that doesn't need to be a problem. So where do I stand? Um, I'm neutral. I don't support Christianity, um, but I also don't support like activist mobs that just make issues out of nothing. Question 19. When a homeless man asks Matt for a spare change, Matt keeps on walking and says, don't talk to me, loser. All right, another rudeness issue of etiquette. Um, what is this prying me for? What moral dimension am I being quizzed on here? Um, Look, it's rude. Don't be rude. Don't be intentionally hurtful to people. Be nice to people. Don't cause harm unnecessarily, you know? That's what we all kind of should be believing. Um, this would be a more interesting question if it was more realistic. If Matt kept walking and says, sorry, I don't have any change, that would be interesting. So that's what we actually do say, even if we have it, like, that's the question. Like, is it okay to tell a white lie here? Is it okay to like blow someone off with just like that little statement, even though they're a human being in need, you know, like that's an interesting question. This is not very interesting. Obviously it's not okay to say that, but it's like, it is kind of what we're all thinking. Maybe not loser, that's not the vernacular that best describes homelessness to me. People experience hardships, uh, addictions, mental health problems. Um, I don't. I wouldn't call those kind of people losers. But the 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 point is kind of understandable for all of us. None of us really want to be approached and talked to by beggars. 
that is a universal fact in our society. Like none of us really like that. No, but we, we know not to just say, get away from me. Like we don't really say that cause it's, it's too impolite. It's too rude, but it is kind of what we, we, we what we mean. Right. Um, but it's not okay. Next. A group of parents concerned about their children's risk of obesity demand that the local store stops selling extra large sized candy bars and soft drinks. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, this happened in New York um, while I was living there. Mayor Bloomberg tried to outlaw extra large sodas and he lost because Pepsi and other soft drink companies like they went on this campaign of like a freedom and liberty thing. Like, don't tell the government what you're allowed to drink. That's kind of missing the point. It's like a well-played tactic by them. I don't know why it's so important for them to sell 64 ounce sodas. It's like obscenely big and it is unhealthy and it does make people obese and keep poor people in a, in a cycle of addiction to sugar, like, which is totally unhelpful. So I kind of appreciate these parents and where they're coming from. Absolutely. I don't think we need such large serving sizes in America. I think America is tacky as hell, frankly, for wanting these sizes. Um, it's, it's absurd. Um, so I'm on their side. I think it's okay, but these are the same kinds of parents that moralize about everything, you know, like, uh, let's not let kids do this. Let's not let, uh, Republicans do that. Let's like make rules for everything. Like that's not cool either. So I don't like when the moralizing becomes excessive in other directions. In this case, I don't know. It's, it's actually kind of like a free market thing. Like companies can sell whatever they want. It's up to the consumers to decide if they buy it. And this is really the fault of the kids and American culture for wanting these sizes and supporting these sizes by continually buying them. Um, that said, like I would support um, a mandate on food production to limit serving sizes. Like it's just common sense to me, but that can become draconian too. So I'm kind of, you know, as usual, like I can see both sides here. Um, it's almost like let people go to hell however they want. If people want to eat themselves to death with huge servings of sugar, let them. But you can buy a six pack or a 24 pack of soda and drink it all. Like no one is stopping you from doing that evidently. Um, is it really up to the government to do that? Like this is something that we just need a better, we need to advocate for healthier lifestyles and like more European and cool lifestyles of like enjoying every bite, savoring your food, relaxing while you eat, not just stuffing it down, down your mouth. Like we have to advocate for that. I think that's a better strategy than just banning something, you know? Um, so yeah, it's okay that the parents are concerned about obesity for sure. Do they, is it okay that they demand a local store stop selling? Um, no, don't demand, but you can boycott, you can advocate against it, you can protest it. Um, this fight, I do have sympathy for, so I kind of think it's okay, but uh, I care more about the liberty of the store and what it sells, if it knows it can make money selling extra large size candy bars, then do it. It's up to the kids, like parents, 
teach your kids not to do it. So actually, I'm going to say it's not okay. Because actually, the, the principle of like these parents getting out of control and demanding everything else, that scares me more than stupid kids eating junk and getting fat. Like, teach your kids not to do that. Don't demand that the world change around your kid. I mean, do demand some of that. Like, I agree, like, we want to make the world a better place for kids. But, you know, the local store is just a business trying to make money. So, I don't know. This is tricky. It's tricky. I could be persuaded in other directions. But I think I'm going to say that it's slightly not okay. Question 21. A pair of parents read about the exotic delicacies of Africa and the Far East. In the coming week, they serve dog meat to their children. Man, the dog lovers out there are really <laughs> getting confronted here in this quiz. Um, so there's a lot to say here. Frankly, again, these parents sound annoying. They like this sounds like a Portlandia episode. I can just picture Fred Armisen like, oh my gosh, we just read about uh, Vietnamese cuisine and uh, South Korea. Like we're gonna serve dog meat. How cool! Like, that's where the idea of cultural appropriation became a bad word because of, like, white people, I guess, uh, taking on these cultures in an ignorant way. That meme of cultural appropriation is stupid. I support appropriating everything. I believe in remixing and sampling life. So it's cool with me. Like, I get it. If I was to go to a culture like this and they served me something like dog meat, I would eat it. I've done that. I've been in that position and I'll partake in the local customs so long as like I can technically stomach the taste. Um, you know, I don't have the most broad palate in the world. So I do say no to, you know, anything fermented, for instance. But to actually like bring dog meat into your like suburban home in the USA is dumb. Like, that's stupid. Um, is it morally in, not okay? I don't know if it's immoral to do that. Like, you know, we, like, our, our diets are culturally created. Dog meat is a meat. We happen to have a cultural appreciation for dogs, so it sounds terrible because we love our dogs in the West. But, you know, the Indian subcontinent loves cows. They think it's crazy that we eat so much beef, you know? Like, that. it's not that the meat itself is harmful or, you know, going to hurt you. Like, you know, the whole belief in not eating pigs and pork in, like, religions. It's stupid. It's an outdated, silly thing. Like, get over it, you know? Like, it's meat. And I believe in eating meat. I think that we're omnivores. Like, I'm not a vegetarian. I get the arguments. I get the factory farming arguments, the industrialization, I get the, uh, like, the capitalist stuff, the environmental stuff, but in the end, like, it's okay to eat animal meat, fundamentally speaking. Um, but this is silly. This is just silliness to me, this question. Um, but it's not offensive on a Puritan level. I don't think it's impure. I don't think it's, like, exceptionally gross or something. So I think I might have to stay neutral on that. 22. Amy and Mia are coworkers. One day, Amy offers Mia to take one of her shifts, quote, no strings attached. 
Sometime later, Amy could really use someone to fill in for her, but Mia doesn't feel compelled because Amy's original offer had no strings attached. All right, well, this is very real. This happens all the time. So this is kind of like an Asperger-y thing again. Like, the fact is that as humans, we are cooperative as a species. We do kind of live quid pro quo, which is like the legal term of like trading. You know, like I do this for you, you do that for me. That is kind of how humans work. And it's kind of unwritten as a rule. But, you know, and I miss this all the time because of, you know, slight spectrum stuff. But like, if I'm invited to someone's house, I'm supposed to have them over too. Like that's kind of like how it goes in society but it's easy to miss. And if it's not explicit, it's like, am I really at fault for missing it? So I kind of get it that Mia doesn't feel compelled because Amy's original offer had no strings attached. Like Mia doesn't owe it to Amy to take her shift. She doesn't owe it to her. But I don't know the friendship or the relationship here. They're coworkers. I don't really understand the situation enough. Like I would need to see it in a movie to really understand who was right or wrong. I could see both sides. Like, look, it could go either direction. Um, it's Is it immoral to break the kind of human code of cooperation and trading? Um, I don't think so. It's not like Mia is out to hurt Amy. It's not like, you know, but it is a little sociopathic. It's a little sociopathic to be like, I don't know you anything. Yeah, you did me a favor. So what? Like you said it was no stream. Like, I don't know. Like, I can see both sides here. Um, I'm actually going to say it's fine. It's I'm going to go one tick okay. I support people's liberty to make their own judgments here. I'm not going to go and tell Mia how wrong she is, but I have sympathy for Amy. Like, and I would do it, personally. I would do it because I would feel indebted to Amy to some degree. I do have enough of that kind of human connection to feel indebted. But I I don't think that you have to have that. I don't know if that's like a moral, I don't know. Maybe I do think it's not okay, actually. Um, that's a hard, it's hard. That's a hard one for me. And you know what? As usual, I'm gonna go neutral. Next question. The head of a public department says that none of her employees are allowed to smoke at all, not even in their free time. What's a public department? Um, okay, well, I'm against drug testing. I'm against totalitarian regimes of any sort, whether it's governmental or even like in a family dynamic. Like, I don't like being told what to do. Um, you can have rules in your office. You can have rules in your home when you invite people in. But like to tell people that they can't do it, on their own time away from you, like, fuck off, you know, like, who the hell are you? Um, I don't like that at all. That's not okay with me. Um, it offends me. I'm even gonna go two ticks. Is it the worst thing? Um, yeah, it's kind of like the Muhammad drawing stuff, isn't it? Um, it's a little better. I mean, I literally think no one gets hurt at all when you draw a picture of a deity. Whereas here, yeah, smoking's not good for you. Um, smoking is a bad habit, but it's also not the worst thing in the world. I kind of appreciate smoking. I'm not a smoker, but living in Europe, I I get it. It's nice. It can be relaxing. It can be sexy. Like, it has its place. Um, 
to tell people that they're just not allowed to do it, like you better have a good reason. If it's an unventilated space, if it's like secondhand smoke bothering people, if it stinks, you know, those are fair enough reasons to say you're not allowed to do it in your free time. Like, don't tell me how to live. If I want to die from lung cancer, that's my choice, you know? Next. Brian does not cooperate with law enforcement. Whenever he is pulled over, he refuses to answer questions and starts bickering with the officer about his rights. Well, he's bratty. This is a bratty guy with authority again. Um, it's not okay. I've said it's not okay with parents and stuff. I would say it's even less okay with law enforcement. And I get it. I'm anti-authoritarian. I don't respect automatically police. I don't like police my, in my whole life. I've had a lot of confrontations. I've had some bad experiences with police, but I was successfully taught by my father to appreciate the power dynamic and that I'm better off respecting their authority in that moment. And that is a fact. And everyone needs to know that. As soon as everyone else knows that, we will have less crazy stories in America of shootings and whatever. Like, people need to know how to deal with the law. And you kind of do have to show respect. At least be civil the way you would to a normal person. At least that. It's not the time to become a political activist and spit at the police. Like, you are going to get in trouble doing that. It's just stupid. It's, it's not smart. And it's also just, it's not really okay. Like... Am I going to go on like a little pro-police thing? I, police have a hard job. It's a job. Most of them are normal people. Some of them are tyrannical, yes. But most of them are normal and they're doing a job and they're tasked with supporting some stupid laws like speeding or like taillights or something being broken. It's their job to enforce that. It's a judgment call when, when they pull you over, what they do about it. Do they write you a ticket? Do they give you a warning? That's a judgment call. You have influence as to what they do. You can behave in a way that's chill, that's friendly. You can get along with them, and they'll probably let you off with a warning. That's happened to me a lot of times. Um, they're people. Don't be assholes to them, you know? It's not okay to do that. And in this case, it's even less okay because they have guns, and they are they have to enter situations with the possibility that you are a criminal that can hurt them. Like... That is what police deal with. So it's not personal, you know? Like, a cop is not presuming that you are some sort of violent criminal when he pulls you over. But you might be. It's not okay to behave that way to police. It's just, it's disrespectful and it's stupid. And our society is hurting because so many people don't understand this point. All right. So I've hit the hour mark on this test. I'm not close to finishing. So I'm going to make this a two-part episode. Uh, I'll ask you to tune in again for the next segment and I'll leave it here for now. Tune back in for the remainder of this online test and an explanation of moral foundational principles and theories, etc. And yeah, until next time. Ciao.